Today's message is entitled, Don't Eat Until Father is at the Table. Don't eat until our fathers are at the table. Do you remember, does anyone remember when dinner wasn't served until daddy was ready to eat? Do you remember that mama wouldn't call everybody to the table or she wouldn't put the food on the table or start serving the food until daddy was at the table? Do you remember when, uh, let's see, the chair at the head of the table was reserved for the father of the house? Do you remember that when nobody would say, me and my brother, we used to be mad. We used to fight for the end of the head table uh, and that's that seats for daddy, you know? And so when daddy died, you know, I guess he thought he was supposed to be in the seat. But anyway, we still used to fight. Um, but do you remember that the heads of the table were reserved for the person uh, who was considered to be the head of the household? Uh, and do you remember uh, uh, the, the concept of etiquette of how, um, you know, the person with power was to the right of you? And so mama would sit at the right side. You know, I, just, I think of, you know, if we had one of those long tables and if maybe Joy was sitting on the other side, I'd be like, you too far. Come on down here. Get on the right side of me, honey. Let, I can't talk to you down there. I need to be able to touch your, touch your knee or your leg, you know, every now and then, you know, mischievous, cheery. Uh, but anyway, I digress. So I know this is old school, but it has significance and we'll discuss that today. So as it relates to the family business, when we talk about the family business, oh boy, how are we going to tie Father's Day into, into the family business? Well, you'll see. Uh, as it relates to the family business, we should not, listen, we should not embark in business without any headship over us. All right. So when I say we should not eat at the table without father being at the, at the table, we should not eat until father is at the table. We should not embark on Christian service or even a franchise of service without having some sort of headship over our business. Now let's say, let's say this now, let's say if you're in business, every business should have at least a board of directors or a mentor or a council, a council board, an advisory board, uh, a mentor. People should have a father or a father in heaven. In other words, everyone, listen to me carefully, listen to me carefully. Everyone who calls themselves a servant has to have someone over them that they are serving. Ah, God, watch this. So God encourages us to make sure that before we get out in the world, watch this, now listen to me, before we go into the world to consume the food of the world, listen to what I'm saying, to go out and get our food, in other words, our, 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 um, our, our blessing, our money, our real estate, our career, before we go out and eat the fruit of the land, make sure you got a covering over your head. Now watch this, this is important because there is a place, listen to me, every, every table has seats at it and the seat should be filled. Nobody should be sitting at the table eating and consuming without the father at the head of the table. I'll tell you why in a minute, stick with me. 
but there's a place that must be filled in your life before you can feel others' lives. Ah, watch this now. There's a place that has to be filled at your table before you can feel the table of others. In other words, before you go out in the world talking about how good God is, how do you know he's good if you don't have him at your own table? You need to have your life filled before you consume the sumptuous meal that God has prepared for your life out there in the world. Now, I want to make a distinction. I want to make a difference between the mother and the father. Now, don't jump on me just yet. We know that this is Father's Day, and I know mothers matter, but I'm talking about the father, so please don't email me and don't write me and tell me I'm off base. Just stick with me for a minute. I'm going to give mothers credit too. Listen, the father is the giver of the seed. He is the male. He is the strong one. He is the dominant. He is the protector. He's the lover. He's the provider. So the father, if the father is the giver of the seed, then the mother is the receiver of the seed. So the father is like the roof over your head. The father is the the covering. So when we talk about having or serving in a business and we talk about having a nonprofit, an organization, or even an LLC, you talk about having some sort of accountability. Ah, there it is. So watch this now. Listen to me carefully. This this goes into dynamics. A father, listen, write this down. A father is a is half a parent. A father is half a parent. A father isn't a father without a child, and a father isn't a father without the mother. Now, listen to me. So, the uniqueness of this unit all hinges on how they work and interact together. Watch this now. In other words, mother and father are parents, but alone they are mother and father, and the uniqueness of their unit all hinges on how they interact with one another. Now, the only reason we would be looking at one, the only reason we're looking at the father as one individual would be to study his role in the group of the whole. Listen to me carefully. Watch this. The group of the whole is the mother, the father, and the child or children. That is the group or the whole. But we're going to pull daddy out. Uh, Watch this now. At the table, we're going to pull out the seat for the father and we're going to identify some individualities as to the role of him as the single individual. Listen, no such thing, there's no such thing as a father and a mother without children in the natural order of things. You can't call nobody a father, you can't call nobody a mother if they haven't had children. Now, don't jump on me. As I said, we know now that there are variations to this and that you can adopt and be a father, etc. I'm not talking about that at this point. But for today, we will focus on the natural order of things, that the natural order of things is that a woman and a man become a father and a mother once they have a child. Listen to me. Fatherhood and motherhood is all centered around the positioning of the child. Watch this. This is important. Stay tuned, little Ben. Watch this. Fatherhood and motherhood is all centered around the positioning of the child. Mother only matters. Father only matters when it concerns the child. Watch this now. This is tricky. Here it is, Danielle. But many people parent from the husband and the wife perspective. Ah, Watch this. In other words, they try to raise children 
based on their relation to one another as husband and wife. God didn't ask you to raise children as a husband. He asked you to raise children as a father. Uh, You're going to miss it. Watch this now. Many people parent from the husband and wife perspective. Husband and father, mother and wife are two different roles. Mother and father, husband and wife are two different roles. And that's why some children are raised incorrectly because of the disjointedness between the husband and wife. The child gets neglected because they aren't parenting. They're trying to relate to one another. Ah, you're going to miss it. If this be true, then the roles of each come into play as to how they interact with the child, not the spouse. Come on, come on, come on, watch this. I wonder if we'd have so many problems in custody cases if we understood that the child's well-being does not hinge upon the well-being of the mother and the father getting along. It is how they relate to the child that makes the difference. Two people who break up can raise a child together. That's a sidebar. I'm not going to charge you anything for that. Fathers interact differently with children than mamas do. Is that all? All right. A good example of this difference, watch this, is immediate at pregnancy. In other words, a mom relates differently than a father does. The mom carries the baby for nine months of interaction. The mom interacts with the baby for nine months in a way that a man cannot understand. A mom breastfeeds perhaps a child which a man would never be able to do. I watch, I digress just for a moment, I watched a small little video of a baby who was laying on the bare chest of his father. And the baby went right for the nipple because he assumed that the nipple was where... (laughs) He assumed that the nipple was where the milk was only to realize, oh, there was no milk in that nipple. The point was the child couldn't make a differentiation between the breast, but he knew knew where to go in terms of what the nipple looked like. Mothers, watch this now, make a sacrifice with their bodies that men don't. Women get stretch marks. Their bellies protrude. They walk around and their equilibrium changes. They carry extra weight. And then, oh, bless God, they got the task to get it off after they have the baby. A man can never understand that. A woman makes sacrifices that a man does not make as it relates to the body. Oh, watch this now. Jesus then, watch this, may be seen as the sacrifice, as the birther of all believers after him. That Jesus is the body of Christ that made the sacrifice for us to be born again. Ah, watch this, you're going to miss it. So while the woman, while the mother makes the sacrifice in her womb, in her body for a child to be born, Jesus becomes the body of Christ who sacrifices for us to be born again. In other words, he has a different relationship with us. Jesus has a different relationship with us than we do with the Father. Uh, Because the Father did not necessarily hang on the cross, but the Son did. The mother went to the hospital and had the epidural and had that C-section or had that baby. And the man cannot relate to that, but 
together they are the parents. Let me go on a little further here. Even children recognize this and they won't call dad their parent. They refer to them both as parents, but as individuals, one is just mom and the other is just dad. In other words, when dad shows up, you say, oh, there's my parents. No, you say there's my dad. But when you see mom and dad, then you say there's my parents. So I want you to get to see this, that mother and father and child together, mother and father are parents, but as individuals, they are mom and dad. Roles are created the moment a child is born. And whether we know what those roles are or not, as soon as that child comes into the earth, it is immediate that one becomes the mother and one becomes the father. In other words, you each have an individual role and those roles do not cross over. Fathers introduce that there is, listen, fathers introduce that there is now more than one way to do something. Ah, I like this, Joy. There is a mommy way to do it. There is a daddy way to do it. And then there is an all of us way to do it. Has anybody ever witnessed that? Sometimes you know the smart, well, you go to daddy if you want it done one way. You go to mommy if you want it done another way. But I got news for you. While gender is one of the primary factors of recognizing fatherhood, generosity cares little about gender. I'll say that again. Generosity cares little about gender. Giving oneself to another has no respect of gender. Gender can impact the way in which love may be expressed, but baby, time is time. Being there is being there. Loving is loving. The truth is, watch this now, fathers can be just as sensitive as women when given the opportunity to develop that trait of sensitivity. Just as a woman can be just as much a protector as the father when put in the position to do so. Now watch this now. Let a bear be alone with her cub. (laughs) And I guarantee you, if she's a mother, I guarantee you, daddy ain't around. She will kick in into the protector mode and be able to protect and defend her children. But when this family parental dynamic breaks down, it poses a significant problem for establishing clarity in the unit of that family. When lines get murky and the clearly definable becomes gray because the roles are no longer distinguishable, then eating with no one at the head of the table becomes easier and easier to do and Father's Day and Mother's Day mean less and less and they lose their value. You parent together but you father or mother alone. And this message to Today is about returning the fathers to the heads of the table because our family dynamics have been so dysfunctional and misconstrued. We eat at the table with no respect. We don't say grace anymore. We don't hold hands. We don't give respect and honor to the mother and the parents at the table. You eat when you want. You, you eat
eat on the couch. You don't even come to the table. God has this design of community for a reason. That parents live with children and children live with parents for the dynamic of unity to the establishing of roles to the health and the development of the child. And I want to say that there are businesses that are operating today as lone rangers without any accountability, sitting every day without anyone at the head of the table giving guidance or direction and you are deceived because you think you got it going on when in reality you've got a table full of disrespectful people who have bitten the bread before daddy has sat at the table. Ah, that's all right. There may be two who understand what I'm talking about. There's a reason the Trinity has a father. In other words, they are as a whole, they are God, the father, the son, and the Holy Spirit. But the role of the father is different from the son, and the role of the son is different from the Holy Spirit. So when we see our father in heaven, we can see some of the truths mentioned above to be true of him. Let me move on to my next slide. And I want to tell you what the focus of this message is. The focus of today's message. Today, I want to specifically focus on the role and the importance of the father figure in the life of the believer and the believer's franchise of service in the family business. I want to make sure you are clear on the importance of having a father figure in your life as a believer and as a believer in franchise of service in what we call the family business. Let me move to the next slide. I'm going to give you three things, uh, three distinctions that I want you to be clear on and be aware of. There are three things that are a father's distinction. And today I want to specifically focus on this. So today's message, I want to focus on the father. And a father has certain distinctions that differ from mothers in the following ways. So a father provides the following when compared to mom. First of all, they provide a, what is called a visible difference. So these fathers give a visible difference. And these visible difference means that you should be able to look at parts of the body of a man, facial hairs, see those different uses and be able to understand this is daddy. This is not mommy. They have a visible difference and we must be able to see who's who. Secondly, not only a visible difference, but there is a physical difference. This physical difference has to do with touch. It is not just sight but it has to do with touch, that the father has a different touch. He has a different level of strength. He has a different physical discipline. He has a different direction of destiny forming, things that are related to the physical life a dad does differently than a mom. And the third distinction is a separative difference. Now, there are only two parents. It is one or the other. In other words, there are only two parents. It is one or the other. Fathers create separation. In other words, once, ah, God. So there is the visible difference, the physical difference, and then there is the separative difference. 
The separative difference means that the Father creates the separation in thoughts, in words, in ideas, and often a child can tell a parent by their voice and the things and the way they say it. Dads are the originators of another way to do things. I want you to be clear that these are the distinctive differences, and all of these distinctions are solidified and they are deepened based on trust. Watch this now. The visual the physical and the separative are all distinctions that are solidified and deepened based on trust. Stick with me. I'm coming to the scripture. I'm winding you up. This is why our relationship with God begins with faith. We come to God by faith. Watch this now. Relationships deepen and have meaning and have roles where there is trust. Where there is no trust, you cannot clearly define people's roles. In other words, where there is no trust and defined presence or identification of people's roles, people are assumed to be this and that. And it's always a guessing game. And there's this tremendous level of insecurity because we don't trust God. There's a difference when you live trying to serve God and you don't trust him. And when you do trust him, that the one is living out of fear. The other is living out of faith. Have you ever tried to be in a relationship with a boo and you don't trust him or they don't trust you? The relationship is not deepened and solidified. It's always building up more tension. A relationship without trust is all always suspect. It is questioning everything. It denies the elements of truth because no one wants to trust. And I'm telling you that fathers and mothers relate to their children based on trust. So let's look at today's text that establishes the truth for today's teaching. And today we'll be studying in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Let me read this first part of the text to you. Let me share that with you today. As we go into the text, the text says, I want to look at verses four through 10. First of all, I want to read this text. It says in everything we do, we show that we are true ministers of God. We patiently endure troubles and hardships and calamities of every kind. And then he says uh, in verse five, we have been beaten we have uh, been put in prison. We have faced angry mobs, worked to exhaustion, endured sleepless night, nights and gone without food. We prove ourselves by our purity, our understanding, our patience, our kindness by the Holy Spirit within us and by our sincere love. Verse 7, we faithfully preach the truth. God's power is working in us. We use the weapons of righteousness in the right hand for attack and the left hand for defense. We serve God whether people honor us or despise us and whether they slander us or praise us. We are honest, but yet they call us imposters. And then verse 9 says, We are ignored even though we are well known. 
We live close to death, but we are still alive. We have been beaten, but we have not been killed. And then the final verse says, our hearts ache, but we always have joy. We are poor, but we give spiritual riches to others. We own nothing, and yet we have everything. So the first reason we honor fathers today is for this reason. I want you to take note. We honor fathers for their power of presentation. We honor dads for their power of presentation. In other words, fathers have power of presentation. Now this goes along with our first distinction of visual differences. This is the first distinction, the difference in the way we said fathers interact differently with children than moms do. They are visually different, which means their presentation has power. Ah, Watch this now. Whenever you have a real father in your life, he ought to have a visual distinctive difference from the role of anyone else in the family. This is why they say business partners should not be family partners because it's hard to delineate the lines in the roles. <laughs> the visual difference, the roles in who you're accountable to have to be distinctively different from the people you work with. Ah, God, I, I feel preachy here. In other words, the people in your life that give accountability have to have a visual difference than the nurturing, sensitive role of the mother in a different capacity. Let me explain. Let me go back to the text. I got to give you, let me go back to this text a little bit. And I want you to see the first part of this text says, everything we do, in everything we do, we show that we are true ministers of God. Now, I want to make this clear before I go on. Paul is talking in 2 Corinthians 6 as a father figure to many new saints. In other words, Paul is a father figure talking to the saints at Corinthians. And he is saying to them, in everything we do, we show that we are the ministers of God. Ain't no way a man should be walking around the house talking about he's head of the household or he's father of the household, but he has no visual distinction to be able to show how he's the visual head of the household. In other words, I'm trying to tell you, when you sit at the table and you don't eat at the table, you ought to be able to recognize when the head person comes to the table because there is a distinction in their visual representation. These men have the power of presentation. Have you ever been to a business meeting and you're sitting there in the group of everybody else and then the host walks in or the CEO walks in and nobody even has to tell you that they are the CEO? You can recognize a visual distinction between people with authority and people who are haters. You recognize this difference in their gait, their confidence, their honor their prestige, 
engaged, their ability to lead. There is a difference between the visual representation of those in the house. So dad possesses the power of presentation and he puts forth himself as a visual and he says, watch me. He says, learn from me. And he says, here's what you should be seeing. And I want every father to understand and be able to relate to what it is you are seeing. Put the scripture back on the screen for me. While it says in everything we show we're ministers of God. How do we show it? We show it by patiently enduring troubles and hardships and calamities of every kind. You can't sit at the table, daddy, if you can't handle a little trouble and a little hardship in your life. Fathers at the table need to be people who can handle crisis. Board of directors and council of advisors ought not be afraid of crises and negative situations and criticisms that come up. You got to deal with the bitter and the sweet, baby. You've got to learn the balance of having a job and not having a job. You got to be a daddy when she loves you and when she don't. You've got to be a daddy at the head of the table when things are working out and when they aren't working out. And I want to honor dads because they em- they emphasize or they impl- uh, exemplify being able to endure these troubles and hardship. Every dad can relate to this type of scenario. But then not only that, he de- endures troubles and hardship. Have you ever been beaten? Has a man felt like he was beaten down? We look at situations and we know that we go through hardship. Now, you may not have been to physical prison, but maybe you have. <laughs> so uh, you may understand on that level. But you can be in different kinds of prisons. You can be in the prison at your job, a prison in your marriage, a prisoner of your children's uh, 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 blackmailing you. You can be in the prison of your own personal guilt of the way you're living. Every man must be able to free himself out of his own prison. Every father has to be able be able to get out of prison. Why? Because you got to get back to the head of the table. If you're locked up, you cannot be at the head of the table leading your family. And I give a shout out to our culture in particular. There ain't nothing strong, big and bad about going to to, to prison. It's about being a dad in the home. That's where your honor is, man. Your honor is not in walking around without belts at the the guard yard, but your, 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 your honor is at home with a suit or with a, a, a gym clothes on or with whatever it is, your work, your blue collar, white collar, but representing at the table of life. And so you go through angry mobs. You work till you're exhausted. You endure sleepless nights and you go without food. Let me tell you something. How many times I've been to Burger King and been to, to, to Whopper or to been to a dinner or a restaurant and, and sit down and order food for the children and they say, what you gonna eat, daddy? Oh, I'm not hungry. What am I saying? I'm saying, I'm being father enough to make sure you eat and I go without food. That's what fatherhood is about. And we honor every father who's come home with a grumbly stomach at night sometimes or went to bed not knowing how they're going to eat tomorrow but the kids ate. Let me go to the next verse. He says we prove ourselves by what? Our purity. We prove it by our understanding, our patience, our kindness, by the Holy Spirit within us and by our sincere love. We 
we prove ourselves by being genuine. We prove ourselves by being patient. That's what sits at the head of the table. A man who's kind to his children, a man who has patience, a man who understands who the Holy Spirit even is, sits at the table with sincere love. And then this father has a visual representation where he faithfully preaches the truth. You can't be a father and an addictive liar at the same time. No one respects a father at the head of the table who cannot tell the truth. God's power is working in men. God's power is working in fathers. He says we use the weapons of righteousness in the right hand for attack and the left hand for defense. In other words, I want you to understand, baby, I'm coming home, but I had a hell of a day. And I'm loving you with my right hand, but I'm fighting off the devil with my left hand. In other words, the father knows how to be offensive and defensive at the same time. And when you ask daddy, you say, is everything okay? And daddy will say, everything's fine. But what he's doing is he's sword fighting with the left hand while he's making sure he runs your bath water. He's making sure he's got food on the table and clothes on your back. He's making sure there's gas in the car and the trash is taken out. I know I'm stepping on toes right now and you may not ask me back to preach at your church uh, but that's all right. I'm trying to help us understand what it means to be a man. And then he says in verse 8 he said we serve God whether people honor us or despise us. Let me tell you something. If I don't hear if if people if people don't get honored as a father if on today it doesn't matter whether they despise me or whether they honor me I will serve God. In other words I will serve my father in heaven whether my my earthly relationship with my father is good or bad. He says whether they slander me or praise me. So somebody might be out there ain't no no good for nothing dead be daddy he ain't worth two cents. I never I wish he would come over here trying to see the kids and whether they love you whether they slander you whether they praise you it doesn't matter. Be a father. Be your most authentic self. I remember reading the autobiography of Barry Gordy uh, uh, and and the Motown leader and I remember this as clear as day when I started the ministry it was back in 1997 I was reading this book and it was a story in there about how he had a custody struggle with his children and he was devastated by the fact that he was losing his children and one day he said his sister came to him and he said she said Barry he said why are you losing your mind he said you're their biological father if on any day a doctor took a blood test with you and those children, you will always be their father. So whether you have custody or not, it doesn't take away your role of authority. Ah, God, as a father. So whether people slander you or praise you, you're still the father and you should act like you're at the head of the table. We're honest, even when they call us imposters. You a liar. But you have to be true to you. You have to be true to your children. You have to be true to God even when they call you a liar. I'm talking right into the camera to every man who acts up just because somebody told a lie. 
lie on you. You don't have to correct every lie. Just be true. You don't have to defend every lie. Just be you. You've got to make sure that you're in the right place so that when God does change the situation custody-wise or relationship-wise, you're ready and you don't have a bunch of lies to correct. Ah, That's all right. I got to move on. I'm running out of time. I'm not going to make it. We're ignored even though we are well-known. We act like daddy don't exist. He's always never on the list. Why is it on NFL and on TV? Do they always give the shout out? I want to give a shout out to my mama. I want to give a shout out to my mama. No, nobody can no shout out to daddy. I want somebody to say, why am I got shout out to my mama and my daddy? In other words, we are ignored even though we are well known. We live close to death, but we are still alive. We have been beaten, but we have not been killed. And I want to say to every man who's on your last leg, struggling, trying to make ends meet. You live close to death every day. As a black man, when we go out and get out and get in the car, you could be pulled over driving while black. And at the end of the day, you could be locked up or even shot or killed. Poor young man who got beat up and kicked for vaping. And the rules were against vaping, but that causes me to be beat down. That's alleged. I don't know all the details, but that's what the story said. My point is, we go out every day and we try to exist. It's enough hell out there there in the world to have to come home to a family of hell as well. We've got to do a better job at supporting our mothers and fathers, supporting the family unit. And yes, I'm talking to you kids, you disrespectful, disobedient, rambunctious knuckleheads who think you know more than your parents. There is something respectful about being obedient to your parents. So the Bible even says, obey your mother and father for this is right. And so that your days may be long on the earth. Every time you disrespect your your parents, you could be cutting your days short. I don't have time to go there, but I want to make sure we understand that it's a hard world out there, black man. It's a hard world out there for the white man, the brown man, the yellow man as well. He says in verse 10, our hearts ache, but we always have joy. You don't know. I come home sometimes and my heart is aching, but I still try to wear a smile on my face. Shout out to every man who wears a smile, but your heart is hurting. Shout out to every man who's trying to make it work even though you know it looks bleak. The Bible says, but we give spiritual riches to others even when we are poor. We keep giving it out even though we know we're running short. We own nothing, but we have everything. In other words, we all a father has to sit at the head of the table saying Christmas time is coming. And he knows he's not getting a bonus. He knows he doesn't have the money, but in his back of his mind, he's saying, the Lord will make a way somehow. In other words, he knows that I don't have this, but I have everything. Because when I have God, I have everything I need. That is the power of presentation. Let me tell you something. If a kid grows up seeing that kind of man in their household, let me tell you something. This world would be absolutely different. Let me move on to the next one, the power of presentation, but also the priors of potential. Fathers are priors of potential. 
The second way fathers differ in their interaction with children is physically. Fathers have this ability to pry open our potential. Dads have a way of prying into our physical lives, making gateways for our potential in our life. Let me explain. Let me go back to verses 11 through 13. Let me show you this. He says, we have spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and we have opened wide our hearts to you. This is still Paul talking like a father. He says, we are not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us. Oh, watch this now. And then he says in verse 13, as a fair exchange. Oh, come on, somebody. As a fair exchange. Somebody say exchange. I need exchange. I need an exchange from parent to child, from father to child, from mother to child. I speak as to my children. Paul says, open wide your hearts also. Let me go back to this verse 11. He talks about here. He says, watch this now. Fathers are priors of potential. They have ways to persuade us into making physical adjustments that remedy our own short stops. I want you to see this. The text says, we have spoken freely to you. In other words, our mouths are open. Shout out to the fathers who are trying to have conversations with the children. I remember in the backseat cherry was mad at me cherry the fourth was so mad he was angry he was bubbling over and tears were crying mommy was always saying less blood coming out your eyes you're gonna be all right and i remember saying to cherry i say whenever you're done being mad whenever you're done fussing and getting distraught you still gonna be my son and i'm still gonna be your daddy in other words whenever we're done talking about this we still have roles to fulfill and so the text says, we've spoken freely to you. Be honest with your kids, daddy. Tell the truth about who you are. Open your heart to them. In other words, you're afraid they're going to judge you. They need to see the real you. It is the power of presentation, but when you pry open your life, you can pry open their life so that their potential can be seen. But then the next text said this. He says, we are not withholding our affection from you. He says, you are with holding yours from us. So the father is saying to the children, we've been legitimate coming to the table, trying to talk to you, trying to share our life with you. But sometimes children don't give back. And I'm telling you that when there is no exchange, when there's no fair exchange, you cannot have a father at the head of the table. There is no father at the head of the table if the children don't open up and respect his leadership. Dads show us our need for each other. That's what I'm trying to say. Our need for each other is what exposes our potential. It is when we embrace our need for one another. that we realize that we have potential. The mouth is open. In other words, the physical aspect. Men relate physically. And I'm telling you, that's what the text means. The text says, don't keep your mouth shut. Husbands, mothers, fathers at home, open your mouth, open your heart physically to your children. Express your thoughts. Dads are to be open and honest. You open your heart to the children and we aren't connecting not because dad is not saying anything, but because of you, the child. And there must be an exchange 
in the mother relating or the father relating to the child. And he says, I speak to you as my children. Open wide your heart. In other words, the dad, listen to me, has the power to pry open a child's potential. My point is when you sit next time, daddy, when you sit at that table to carve the turkey, take a moment to share a vulnerable story about yourself at the kitchen table. So today, maybe at Father's Day dinner, when they honor you at the table, I want you to tell an honest story. May not be in public, got to be at home. You can't tell the whole truth out there. But open your life, be vulnerable, and let your children see something you did that was wrong and how you handled it because this will create an exchange ah, between you and the child which will unlock their potential. Children don't have potential because you haven't shown them the capability of coming through something. You hide everything, which means you stifle their growth. You must open your life so that it opens room for them to grow. Ah, which is going to lead us to my final point. Ah, they are also partitions for possession. Oh, I love this. The third and final difference a father has from mom is their separative difference. Remember I told you the physical, the physical and the separative. Ah, watch this now. This gets juicy. The third difference is that fathers give partitions for possession. Fathers have a way with words that can carve out more room in our lives. They can create partitions for possession. Watch this now. So as the father is able to pry open your life, in other words, open your heart, open your, I'm going to pry open your life. Then the father can surgically create partitions or separations in your life for your potential to be possessed by the fatherly presence. Uh, Watch this now. What do I mean by this? I'm glad you asked. Let's go to verses 16 through 18. Let me share the word with you. And he says, what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. Ah, God, look at the Father speaking into them, saying, you're the temple of God. You don't have no agreement with, with idols. You're in the wrong place, son. You you hanging out with gangbangers. Gang bangers. You hanging out at the club. You're in the wrong spot. You are the temple of God. God. In other words, the father knows how to create partitions. Watch this. For you are the temple of the living God as God hath said. Look at this. He says, I will dwell in them. Ah, oh, there it is. Creates the partition for possession. He wants to come in. The father should want to get into the child. Walk in them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. And so then the verse 17 says, wherefore come out from among them and do what? Be ye there it is separate a daddy knows how to separate children from the good and the bad in their life saith the Lord and touch not the unclean thing and what 
I will receive you. I like that little part there because some people, some fathers, some mothers become enablers when people, when children do bad things. In other words, you got to say, listen, get separate, clean up your life, and then you can have this relationship back on the level it should be. You got to practice tough love sometimes and be able to say that if you continue with that, you cannot be received. But if you separate from it, you will be received. I got to go on. Don't write me. I know I'm in trouble already. Verse 18, and he says, and will be a father unto you. In other words, when you make the separations in your life, that's when I can be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. I want somebody to know that fathers have the power to create partitions for possession. I remember this old piece of equipment. I still have it to this day. Some of you in the ministry might remember it. I had a Roland 1680. It's a digital recorder. And this old 1680 had partitions for storage. In other words, the 1680 had different partitions so that when you ran out of room in one area, you could switch to another partition and you could have more room for... A father knows how to recognize that a child is filled in this area and they need to create a different partition or separation in order to maximize uh, their potential. In other words, the more room you have, the better the performance and efficiency. Have you ever had a computer that only has like 10 megabytes left? It's slow as Methuselah, baby. But when you buy a fresh new computer and it's got plenty of storage, it works at optimum precision. So a father must know how to pry open their child, create the partitions in their life that allow for more storage so they can operate in their maximum capacity. In other words, they've got to create room for daddy to come in and possess them. Well, how? Oh, Shana, I'm glad. How? How do you get into people? How do you enter people? people's storage place. You enter them with words. <laughs> words are communication, verbal interaction, opening your life, opening your mouth, opening your heart, speak into their life and you enter into their partitions that open up for you. There's an example. David said, thy word have I hid where? In my heart that I might not sin against you. In other words, I've opened my life to your word for you to possess me. Those words are often what create the necessary separations in our lives. The right words can lead us in the right directions. If you tell your son that smoking weed is bad for you or snorting cocaine or robbing a liquor store, when you speak the words of life into them, it creates separation. But if you don't tell them what's wrong and if you don't tell them what's right, then they haven't created partitions for possessions. Dads are there to help pry open space for both parents by creating healthy separations between mom and dad. A man, a child should have a place for mom. A dad, a child should have a place for dad. In other words, I've carved out 
room for you. <laughs> Haven't you heard couples say, he'll always be a place in my heart for you. In other words, they've carved out a cat dog. It's somebody help me preach. Dads, pry open that space. And once you open up their life, speak into them and create those words of separation. Tell them that lying isn't good. Tell them that being with someone who has no vision and who steals and cheats is going to land you in trouble with them. Tell them what's wrong and what's right. Speak to them with the authority. That's what being at the head of the table is. It's not sitting at the table saying nothing with a mouthful of food. It's sitting at the table and taking charge with the power of words to create partitions for possession. Every time you sit at the table, you ought to possess your children more. Children make room for their parents by denying the things not good for them. The more children obey, the more space they have at the table for daddy. I'm talking to children. Whenever you obey what your father says is wrong, whenever you obey what your parents say is right, you create room for them to possess you. In other words, didn't the text say, what agreement does, does, does do we have with, with idols? You're the temple of the living God. In other words, every time you agree with your daddy, you create room for possession. Every time I agree with the word of God, the father says, I'll come in to your life. Every time you obey the word of God, he create you create more capacity for God to fill something up. Parents exist. Let me tell you this. Parents exist to house the good places in our children's soul. Our children should be filled with mommy and daddy. Our children should be filled with the father and mother. Oh, let me switch it from the biological. Our spiritual, the children of God should be filled with the Father. The children of God should be filled with the Word. The children of God should be possessed. Ah, we should create partitions in our life by separating from the unholy things in our life so that God can possess us. Possession of a child doesn't happen literally. Of course, you don't possess them literally like a spooky ghost. But I know my mother lives in me when I remember every word she says. I remember when mommy says, enunciate. When she's teaching me how to give oratorical, she says, take your time. I can hear her as clear as day. I can hear her say, when I tell you to come home, come home. I can hear her saying, I love you. I can hear her say, go ahead, try again. You can do it. I can hear it. When I remember her words, I remember her in my heart. But like I said, I'm not giving a shout out just to mama. I'm giving a shout out to daddy too. I have room for my own daddy, Cherry George Smith the second. I have room for his love of Gladys Knight and the Pips. Oh, I have room in his space when I would see him sitting against the west side of the wall in our house on 64th Street and he would sit there and sing along to Midnight Train of Georgia. I have room remembering his words of wisdom. I have room remembering when he chased me around the house with a belt to spank me in his in his t-shirt and he finally caught me and he towed me up. I remember daddy taking me to little scholars preschool and every day after preschool he'd take me to the dairy store right across the street and he would buy me a honey bun. Baby I don't care what you do to me devil you can't take that memory away and I'm telling you no matter what you go through in your life when you have parents who speak 
speak love into your life. When people create partitions of possession, you got them. Your daddy ain't gone. Your mama ain't gone. They live in your heart. Where does Jesus live? Jesus is in heaven, but he lives in your heart. How? By the power of the Holy Spirit. By the power of the word. God's word separates us till we are possessed by what is said. I'm going to say that again. God's word separates us until we are possessed by what is said. And what is said is him. What is said is our father. And when we get the father at the table, when I'm saying don't eat till the father sits at the table, I'm saying don't eat until you get the word in you enough to you respect the separation and the word gets in you and you sit down. That's when you eat the meal of the world that God has prepared for you. He is your visual visual difference. He is your physical difference and he is your separative difference. Here's my conclusion and I thank you for your patience today. In conclusion, the truth is we cannot really eat until our fathers are at the table, at the table of our lives. America suffers from fatherlessness, but not always because fathers don't exist, but because people have been deceived into believing that fathers don't matter and that fathers aren't needed. Well, I got a new message for you. Fathers are needed, and the table is not the table until daddy sits down. It's old school, but it's right school. America suffers from fatherlessness and people are saying that we don't need a daddy and we don't I'm both mother and father you can't be mother and father the roles are too distinct and I tried to lay that out for you today so I came to remind you that we as a nation a culture of people a family won't be able to dine in health and power until we once again recognize the uniqueness of fathers and by that I don't mean the absence of mothers I'm not saying that I mean the inclusion of parents I'm saying parents Parents are two, not one. So if you got a father, you got a mother. If you got a mother, you got a father. And both are to be respected. Not one above the other or not one in the absence of other. We need to once again embrace that old ritual of not eating until daddy comes to the table. Let me hear your mamas. Call daddy. Daddy, dinner's ready. Children, go get your daddy. Dinner's ready. Where are you in your life? Call the father to your table. Dinner time, baby. It's dinner time. Come on, God is ready to bless your life. The Father wants to sit at your table. He wants to sit, but you won't call him. You won't tell him dinner's ready. You haven't prepared anything. You won't fast food all the time. I'm telling somebody to get your life back in a place where you prepare your heart for God. And when you prepare a table, he will show up. How do I know? Because the Bible says if you draw nigh to him, he'll draw nigh to you. We are starving at the tables of life because we are waiting on fathers to sit down in their seats. But we can't eat until fathers are at the table. And I'm not limiting this to biological fathers. I'm talking about stepfathers. I'm talking about surrogate fathers. I'm talking about pastoral fathers. I'm talking about concerned neighbor fathers. I'm talking about mentor fathers. I'm talking about coaches as fathers. I'm talking about God the father. I'm saying to you God is your father. He is your visual difference. He is your presentation. God is your father is your potential. He pries you open to open your potential and God is your father who possesses the words to create separation in your life to where he gives you the possession. Any father at the table must sit with a visual presentation. You must be able to sit with a difference 
that looks different from mommy. Physical power to pry open our lives at the head of the table and recognizes and encourages the full potential of children. Speak to your children. Take the power to open their lives and create the separation, not to divide them, not to divide the family, not to pit them against your mama. Never say a bad thing about your mother to them. That's the other parent. And mothers never say a bad thing to your child about the father. That's the other parent. But uphold unity and create separation, not from the parent, but from the sin in their life. You want to talk bad about something and talk about their lying. Talk bad about their own cussing. Talk bad about what the child is doing wrong so that both parents can create a space to enter into them and they end up loving both of you shame on you for trying to make children love only one parent you're just uh, never mind I ain't even gonna say that (laughs) but I want you to know you matter so today I conclude with this Father's Day poem that I scripted myself dear dads we honor you for your strength and for your willingness to fight on. In your imperfection, you strive so hard to make things perfect for your children. May your reward be everything and more that you sacrificed for us to help us become our better selves. No amount of money could ever repay you for the value of just being good old plain old dad. But we can begin today by giving you the respect you deserve, the space you need, and the recognition you've earned, and the honor you've achieved. Without you, we wouldn't be. So even if there are thousands of things we disagree about, there is one thing that is unchangeable and indisputable, and that is I'm here because of you. That's something that every child should be thankful for and proud to participate in one day out of the year to honor them and say so, I appreciate you. So in honor of each dad represented here today. We roll this scroll of names in honor of their presence at one point or another at the tables of our lives and we encourage every dad who's been missing at the table to return to the seat of life. We honor you dads. Happy Father's Day, Daddy. We love you distinctively. I'm PC and that's all I've got.